This episode of The Education Cliff is in part supported by Intel, innovating and investing in Arizona communities since 1979, and a supporter of Here Arizona Education podcast series, telling stories that change lives and strengthen communities. Resource info can be found at hearearizona.org. 30-year-old Christopher Cuellar wants to be a teacher. I'm trying to do a middle school math. That's what I want to teach. Specifically, he wants to be a teacher in Arizona. Uh, I plan on being here for a bit, if I can make a difference here, for sure. And really, I want to be comfortable in my teaching. Chris and I met in college at Northern Arizona University. At NAU, I took a couple of years to figure out that I wanted to get a psychology degree. Um, actually, more than one. I'm, so I'm, I grew up in California and I moved to Arizona for their WUI, their Western Undergraduate Exchange Program, which pretty much gave tuition and a half, uh, in-state tuition and a half to West Coast students, and I fell into that category. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do starting out, but then sophomore year they put the psychology program into the WUI, and that was something that I really clicked with and went through. I kind of kicked butt for my last couple of years there, but didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do afterwards. He bounced around for a little while after graduation, including bartending near Wrigley Field in October 2016. So I like when they won the got the final out, it felt like a New Year's celebration. There were just mobs of people down the streets and it went for a while. It lasted for a few months. Eventually, he moved back to Phoenix and took the first job he could find, working at an eye doctor's office. I got a, found a job within like a week of living here. One of my buddies from college actually got me set up with a place he used to work. And so I worked at an eye doctor for a little over a year. From the December I moved here until when COVID happened. COVID kind of stopped that completely. He's all settled down now. Married, has a dog, and lives in Phoenix with his wife, Megan. They're both working towards their second careers. Megan is finishing a post-baccalaureate nursing degree through Paradise Valley Community College, and Chris is enrolled in Scottsdale Community College's teacher education program. They're both entering high-demand careers in ever-changing and challenging fields. For Megan, the COVID-19 pandemic has pushed the healthcare system to the breaking point. And Chris, well... He's about to enter a profession that's been at its breaking point for a long time, especially in Arizona. Different organizations give Arizona different rankings for education, but the state almost universally ranks in the bottom quarter of states on multiple education metrics. Teacher pay, 49th, according to the Morrison Institute for Public Policy at ASU. Overall quality, 50th, according to personal finance blog WalletHub. In 2020, almost 30% of teacher vacancies could not be filled. We're about 2% below the national average for high school graduates. The best ranking we could find? 40th overall, according to U.S. News & World Report. But that takes the state's community colleges and universities into account, too. Here Arizona looked into the state of Arizona's K-12 education system. We spoke with legislators, teachers, district officials, and education experts. I think uh, some of the problems that we see are not having enough advocates in the legislature for public education in this state. 
Well, we've had a system that has been um, consistently and almost strategically underfunded for decades. Um, what we hear in Arizona driving the narrative of education discussions is often educational choice. And we really ought to be talking about educational quality. A lot of times it has more to do with the workload. It has more to do with how few resources there are outside the classes for student services. In the state of Arizona, we have some of the highest class sizes, which for me meant that as a middle school teacher, I would have almost 160 papers to grade every single night, quizzes, essays. Um, that also meant that I, I really couldn't have the ability to connect with each one of my students. Each of those people are educators. They've all taught in a classroom, but more importantly, they're also leaders in the state's education system. State Senator Leela Alston, a Democrat who represents a portion of Central and East Phoenix, as well as South Scottsdale, has been a teacher for most of her life. In her eyes, the state's education problems start with the legislature. We're giving tax cuts and making those permanent. We cannot repeal or adjust them uh, without a two-thirds vote. So, you know, we've just got ourselves in a, a bind. From my perspective, from the people on the other side, uh, that's exactly where they want us to be. They want us to continue to give tax cuts to wealthy people, uh, to corporations, to cut down the revenue that's coming in so that we don't have the money to spend. Her colleague on the other side of the aisle, State Representative Michelle Udall, is a math teacher at Mesa's Mountain View High School. Udall, a Republican, represents much of North Mesa. In her eyes, the legislature has given school districts a decent chunk of money. The districts themselves aren't necessarily spending it effectively. We gave the districts money for a 20% raise. Whether or not, that, or not that happened or if there were other priorities within the district depends on the district's situation and what raises they've given before then. Um, but 20% raise in the last three years is, is a big step in the right direction. It's not the end-all be-all, um, but that helps. Marisol Garcia used to teach social studies at a middle school named after Morris Udall, a longtime representative and distant relative to Representative Michelle Udall. Now Garcia is the vice president of the Arizona Education Association. We need to also be, be thoughtful of the fact that, um, as a, especially at coming out of this um, pandemic, is our educators worked incredibly hard. They assumed job duties you would never even think of. And we are hopeful in when schools are back and healthy again, that the communities will understand what a vital role educators play in our society, not just teaching, but also um, as mental health supports, as um, to help with food insecurity, to help with safety. You know, educators play that key role. Former AP government teacher Joe Thomas is the president of the Arizona Education Association. Um, we have plenty of people in this state that have teaching certificates. And too many of them have decided, as Marisol um, pointed out earlier, that they can't pay off their own student loans. They can't afford to send their own kids to college. They can't live in the neighborhoods in which they teach because they can't afford a, a house there. Um, and there are um, only about 49 other states where they can earn a higher uh, salary than what they can get in Arizona. All the experts and data pointed to four main issues affecting education in Arizona. The biggest problem is teacher retention. Why do so many teachers leave the profession? If they're leaving to go to another state to teach, it's usually pay. 
Um, most teachers leave between about their second and fifth year, and usually they're leaving the teaching profession. It's not that they're leaving to go be teachers elsewhere as much as they're leaving the teaching profession. We have people that live in Yuma and every day drive to El Centro, California, where they get a thirty dollars to $40,000 increase in salary and still pay Arizona taxes, uh, still have a uh, cost of living of Yuma, Arizona. Um, you know, that, that's not thousands of people, but it's, it's dozens. We have people that do that in many border towns around Arizona. They, they know they can go to New Mexico and Colorado. Uh, they can go to Utah. They can uh, go to Nevada. They certainly can go to California and earn more money. And so we have a difficult time retaining all of our graduates from our major universities because they'll stay here for a few years, but then they see that they can make so much more money somewhere else. There's more than just money that's pushing teachers away, though. Sometimes the stress of large class sizes, little support, and ineffective administration destroys people's drive to teach. We've stripped away mentor programs because of funding. We've stripped away um, the fact that a lot of people should go back and probably look at getting their master's, which would help with their professional growth, because um, it costs so much to go to school, and then now they're in debt, and they're not getting paid well enough. And so usually by that three-year mark, you can tell if somebody's going to make it or break it. And unfortunately, between year one and three, you're seeing anywhere from 90 to you know, 400 kids go through that, that process. So you'll find that even within Arizona, even teachers that receive the same pay, you'll have a much better teacher retention at a school that is more supportive of their teachers than at another school with the same demographics that isn't. So a lot of it has to do with school climate and with the leadership at that school, who the principal is, how they treat their teachers, whether or not they listen. Since schools can't keep teachers, they fall behind in recruitment. There aren't enough people interested in teaching to fill the massive number of vacancies. So students get long-term substitute teachers and people with emergency certifications. If you don't have a teacher, a certified teacher in the classroom, if you don't have somebody who understands pedagogy, um, a lot of times you end up with a long-term sub and it's just not good for kids. Uh, they're not getting the continuity in the education they need. Well, I, I think the report shows, um, and they've done it for about six years, that that is largely the case, that you do have um, overwhelmingly in our classrooms, we have qualified certified teachers. But in about a fourth of our um, total teaching positions, it starts to get to where you have far less experienced, alternative certified and non-certified or non-qualified educators in those, uh, in those positions. Both of those problems are compounded by the cost of an education in education. We ask folks to go to college, get an education, get a teaching credential, and and incur uh, massive amounts of debt. And then we offer them a salary that doesn't allow them to repay the debt. And all of that leads to diversity issues. Teachers often don't look like or come from the same circumstances as their students. And we're seeing fewer and fewer people that are wanting to go to university and get a degree in education and go back into their community and teach. And this has a crippling effect on our ability to hire educators that look like their students, that have, share a same language, that share a same culture, and it is incredibly important 
for students, regardless of their age, five years old or 18 year olds, to see an educator that they look like, that they sound like, that is from their community, that went to that school. The next four episodes, we'll look at each of these issues in detail. We'll also speak with some of the local and national organizations that are working to fix them. One of the major solutions are the community colleges. They handle recruitment, retention, training, and certification. And they do it at a much lower cost than a university. Well, we offer traditional as well as um, alternative pathways to certification. So what we see being a post-bac program is uh, we see schools that have positions that are difficult to fill um, and they utilize the alternative teaching certificate then to fill those shortages. That's Dr. Jennifer Gresco, the faculty chair of teacher education at Rio Salado College. Her program serves students like Chris Cuellar, those who already have bachelor's degrees and are looking to change careers. Um, and within that program, individuals teach on an alternative teaching certificate while they complete our post-bac certification program. That provides a certified teacher, although alternative certified teacher, in the classroom to be with students while they are um, learning the ropes of becoming a teacher. So they are practicing um, while they're learning uh, within that K-12 classroom. Adults changing careers benefit from an affordable certification program, and schools benefit too. At the post-bac level, what we see is non-traditional students who have had uh, successful careers or training or education in other areas. Um, the typical age in our program is 38 years old. And so they have bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, some even have doctorate degrees um, in different content areas that tend to align to content areas that are being taught in the K-12 schools. So this becomes a great resource of bringing that content, that real life experience, workplace experience. And then they have this desire, this need, for some reason they, they had thought about going into education. But the colleges can do more than just train career switchers later in life. There are programs at the community colleges that can assist individuals in getting their GED, going into their associate's degree, and then eventually going on to a four-year program with certification options. That's such a benefit of community colleges that we can take them from that starting point. A more traditional student, fresh out of high school, can complete pre-education classes for $85 a credit hour, compared to more than $500 at a state university. You could also have a student who maybe has some college or no college experience start off again at the community college and do two years at the community college and then do two additional years at the university at university prices. That still saves a ton of money, especially if those first two years are done at the $85 a credit hour, which Maricopa's current tuition rate is. On Tuesday and Wednesday nights, Chris attends class virtually via Zoom. It's pretty fast-paced, so it's supposed to be a 13-month program, which includes the student teaching. The first six weeks were like educational psychology, and then kind of it was a technology in the classroom. Um, so that led from right before this election to winter break, like mid-December, um, and it was just based on the science behind teaching kids. 
Um, I just finished a final tonight, actually, for one of the phonics programs. So we just finished the, for the next two classes, like three credit hour courses, which were in phonics for both of them. Um, and then in between, there are master seminars where they go over bigger concepts that you would use in the classroom, like I think next week is on writing. After his classes, Chris will spend time working in a classroom as a student teacher. The next six weeks, I will be in Scottsdale Unified, the fifth grade class. So I'll do that until the summer, like the end of the regular school year. And then we have summer courses too, still two days a week, but there's no summer internship during that. When we come back in the fall, there's another six or seven weeks, I believe. And I think that's in a middle or a high school science class. And then once those seven, so we have classes throughout all of that too. Once the last internship stops, we do student teaching for 12 weeks. So I'm gonna be in a classroom for five days a week, my own classroom, teaching, getting, crafting my skills um, from the middle of October to December, like the end of the school year. And then that'll have me certified. The program Chris is taking is just one of many programs run by community colleges and local nonprofits that try to place qualified candidates in Arizona classrooms. One of the most prominent is the Arizona Education Association. And as, as AEA is the largest teachers union in the state, our priority is to advocate on behalf of um, our, our members. And what our members want is stated ex expressly in our mission statement is they want every child to have not a good school, but a great school. They led the Red for Ed movement in 2018. So our primary job is to lift the stories and the voices of our members into areas where they can't be while they're in the classroom or they're driving the bus in the morning or after school or they're doing the job they were hired to do. And so we meet with business groups, we meet with other education organizations and we try, and we meet with uh, legislators and, and even governors to try to have them understand the particular challenges that we're facing and how, excuse me, and how strategic funding can, can fix some of these issues and make it to where we can attract and retain uh, quality educators, which means we're giving better educational opportunities to all of our students. Throughout this series, we'll hear from several organizations, including Teach for America, which recruits people to teach in underrepresented schools. There's also Troops to Teachers, which works to connect military veterans with teaching opportunities. And literally dozens of other organizations, ranging from political action groups to classroom technology initiatives that are actively working to keep Arizona from falling over the education cliff. What does falling over that cliff look like? Senator Alston describes a lesson she learned from her former superintendent, Dr. Kent Scribner. The way the urban school district goes in a state or a city is indicative of how the city is going to be in a decade. So if an urban school district falls apart and, and is ineffective and not serving the needs of those individuals in their district, in 10 years, the city's going to be in pretty much the same spot. And 10 years past that, that's how the state's going to be going. Arizona likes to position itself as a pro-business state. And while business leaders might appreciate the state's friendly tax laws, they might struggle to recruit talent to a state that consistently ranks so poorly in education. 
And I think that some of the people who are trying to take away from public school systems in Arizona are really short-sighted in not recognizing what big businesses and economists have been telling us for years about what we need to do to have a vital economy. So it's not just the bleeding heart argument, it is also the hard facts, dollars and cents economic argument. This isn't just an education issue. This is an economic and a community issue. This is around making certain that all families have access to the resources they need and have the ability to move themselves up uh, socially, right? And, and, and have access to everything that people that live in the suburbs have or people that live in, in wealthier communities have. There are so many challenges that uh, students and families have to overcome that are systemic, that are, that are almost put there intentionally that the legislature could address, but they choose not to. So what are the solutions? For Thomas, people across the state being fed up with the status quo is a good start. Poll after poll had showed us the community understood that there was an issue in educational funding, that we needed strategic funding brought in certain areas. Teacher retention, attraction and retention was one of them. But uh, so was getting in more counselors. Uh, so was making sure that we um, had the right technology and, and newer technology for our students. So I see Arizona in a very different place right now. We still have uh, the status quo. Uh, we still have the people that want to um, have us educate uh, children on a, you know, on a tiny budget. But I think that that idea has lost a lot of its strength. And I think people really want to see us um, invest in education as, as we did in 2020 by passing that and seeing um, a significant influx of, of new dollars that will come to our schools. And, and that's going to impact the economy as well. For Representative Udall, it's about creating an environment where Arizonans want to be teachers. Uh, it's, a, it's a tricky thing because we can't just force people to be teachers. <laughs> we can't. It, it has to be through making it something they want to do and then making the job, uh, giving them the support they need to do a good job at it. You just listened to an entire podcast episode on the state of education in Arizona. So obviously this episode means something to you. To learn more about the issues in Arizona's education system and the organizations we profiled, visit our website, hearearizona.org. That's H-E-A-R, Arizona. Tell all your friends to check us out too. They can search for Hear Arizona on their favorite podcast listening app. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, NPR One, Spotify. And since we're all about empowering our community, we want you to be part of the conversation. Follow Here Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This podcast series is made possible by a grant from the F Squared Family Foundation and support from Intel and Rio Salado College. Here Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sun Sounds of Arizona, Spot 127, KBOC, and KJZZ. This episode was produced, written, directed, and hosted by Scott Bork. Linda Pastore is our executive producer. Thanks for listening.
Hi, this is Scott Bork from Here Arizona Podcasts. Since you're still listening, you're obviously a fan of ours. We want to hear more from you. Visit hearearizona.org and take our listener survey. That's H-E-A-R-Arizona.org. Thanks for listening.